You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Uh-oh, guess what day it is. Guess what day it is. Huh? Anybody? Mike, 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 Mike. What day is it, Mike? <laughs> Woo-hoo! Welcome to Earth Station One, a weekly podcast dedicated to all things sci-fi, fantasy, and much, much more. Sit back and relax and enjoy the show. Hey there, listeners, and welcome to another episode of the Earth Station One podcast. That's right, folks, we're back, and it's Rock and Roll Hall of Fame time. That's right, we are going to be talking about the nominees for the class of 2022. And I'm sad to say that this man is not on the list this year. Once again, he has been stood up by the hall. Welcome, Mike Gordon. Howdy! Rock and roll, baby! It's going to be a lot of fun, actually, to talk all about this one. And you know what? It's going to be interesting because there was a couple that had been on past um, lists and such and nominees and such that are not on this. But they have some amazing uh, new first-time nominees. So it's going to be interesting to talk about. Oh, yeah. This is always a a fun show to do. Um, And uh, we've got fun people to talk all about these acts a big list, so um, you know we got a lot to cover. Fortunately, as you pointed out, a lot of uh, about half the list, a little over half the list, has been nominated before, so we don't have to spend a lot of time on those because we've already talked about those in previous episodes. But um, but yeah, we've got uh, still a lot of a lot of first timers, a lot of rookie nominees. Mm-hmm. It'll be very interesting, and we got our usual music crew here to hear, talk about it. So we'll be talking all about that in a little bit. And of course, we'd love to hear from you guys. Feedback at station one dot com. What are you guys looking forward to? You know, with the nominees, have you guys voted already, or have you not? You know, or do you need to hear what we have to say first? You know, we would be honored if you guys did that. But we definitely would love to hear from you guys. Please write us. And, you know, if you enjoy what you're hearing, of course, tell your friends, tell your neighbors. We would really appreciate it. And, of course, want to give a big shout out to our patrons. Our patrons are our lifeblood of the ESO network. It's our main source of income here, folks. You know, eventually we'll get advertisers and we'll get, you know, sponsors and all that kind of stuff. But for right now, we're listener supported. That's right. We're just like NPR. So you could definitely help support the ESO network for as little as a dollar a month. And you know what? We would really appreciate it if you did. All you have to do is go to patreon.com slash ESO network. Check it out. Also, a big shout out to our our one sponsor, Tofosi Optical. Tofosi Optics is a great place for sunglasses. Some people are going, Mike, it's 20 degrees below zero here. Why do we need sunglasses right now? We're stuck in our house. Well, Tofuzzy Optical just isn't sunglasses, folks. No, no, no. They also have gaming glasses or blue light blocking glasses, or they have safety shields. They have everything you can think of for if visually and for glasses-wise, and a lot of the stuff is custom-made just for you. You can check it all out at TofuzzyOptics.com, and if you put in the coupon code Earth Station One, you get ten percent off your order. That's right, folks. Ten percent off your whole order, not just one pair, but your whole order. That's pretty awesome, actually. So check it out, tofuzzyoptics.com. And now we're here with new friend of the show, Christopher Dunham, the Odd Man. Welcome to the show, Chris. Well, thank you, Mike and Mike. 
Welcome to the station. Um, for those people who may not be familiar with uh, your show or The Odd Man, uh, <laughs> tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, well, The Odd Man is essentially my personality cranked up to just 11. Okay. Um, it's, uh, and I, I operated a nine most days. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but the, the radio show and podcast is called The Cult of Odd. And uh, it is a mix of comedy, music, uh, sometimes interviews. Uh, we cover weightier topics from time to time, too. It's, it's really just a, a grab bag of whatever we feel like doing that week. Wow. Okay. How long has it been going on? So the Odd Pod's been on um, for about a little over a year. But I've been in podcasting since 2007. How did you get involved? Do you guys remember Someone's MySpace? Like, hey, kid. Hey, kid. You want to do a podcast? Actually, <laughs> Is that kind not, of thing? <laughs> not that far off from the truth, honestly. Um, I do remember MySpace back in those days. Yes. Yeah. Some guy rolled up to my, my MySpace wall, opened his couch, and be like, hey, kid, you want to try a podcast? That's how he gets. That's how everybody gets hooked. No, I was commenting on a, 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 a blog, essentially, that fed a radio show or a podcast. Um, and the things that I had to say based on the topics that they put forth, um, they liked and they got a good response from their listeners. And after about six months of me dropping comments left and right on every time they posted, um, they reached out and said, basically did say, Hey kid, you want your own podcast? Nice. Nice. And then you were hooked. Yep. Um, and, uh, and what do you, uh, like your show now, um, what, what is sort of the goal of the show? So we, at the beginning of the year, uh, when we first started this, um, it was originally titled the odd pod. Mm -hmm. Um, and it was just a, a pressure release valve as the show's always been. But once I get past that needing that pressure release valve, I start wanting to try to do good with the show. Uh, not necessarily good in numbers, but good in um, the world. Mm -hmm. And I know it's a lofty goal, but I hope that when we talk about the heavier issues, because we'll talk about um, race, we'll talk about the economy, we'll talk about society at large. Um, when we, we get into those deep discussions, I just hope that someone takes something away from it that makes them think a little differently, you know, on whatever it was, you know, even mm -hmm. if it's just one little bit. And I learned long ago that if I can get them laughing, I can get them learning. Nice. Nice. Yeah. That's a good call. Um, and so, uh, and I would imagine that, you know, there's the, the way the world has been over the last couple of years has probably shaped that decision more than anything. Right. Yeah. Well, again, we've always done episodes that, um, mean something. Uh, we've done mental health episodes in the past. We've done episodes on addiction. Um, but we'll also do dick and fart jokes and talk about aliens and Bigfoot. <laughs> Now, the uh, odd man moniker that you are known by, is that something that – was that a podcasting name or was that a name that you went by prior to that? On MySpace, I went by Fairly Odd Parent. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, and uh, everybody shortened it to FOP. <laughs> okay. And it bothered me to no end. So I dropped the Fairly and Parent and just became odd. But MySpace required you to have a last name at that point. 
And so man was the uh, go-to <laughs> um, <laughs> last name. I couldn't think of anything better. And so, yeah, odd man was born at that point just to get people to stop calling me a fop. <laughs> and, and is your definite, do you have a deep definition of odd? Uh, you know, especially since you go by it and the podcast is cult of odd. Is there, is there some meaning that you have with that word in particular? Um. Yes, because the mindset of uh, come as you are, be who you are, which is uh, something that we, we say often, is an odd mindset to have in, in society. You know, everybody's got their uh, qualifiers. You know, okay, well, you can be a little weird, but don't do this or, you know, don't do that. And for the most part with our show, I mean, come as you are, be who you are. As long as you're not being hateful, you know, we can roll with it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What are what are some of the the better shows or shows that you've done that are you're really most proud of? Um, well, the mental health episode uh, we did back in the day, and uh, also the the one on addiction. Um, there's a couple of interviews that I, I count as as feathers in my cap as well. Um, I got to spoke to speak to Bill Kinison which the the entire way that that rolled out, I, I was a big Sam Kinison fan. Mm-hmm. And uh, the entire way that that interview came to be was just right place, right time, right people. And afterwards, when everything was said and done and we did the interview, uh, Bill told me it was one of the most entertaining and fun interviews that he had ever done. Um, and then, like, I floated above my bed for, like, the next six weeks. Right. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, that's That's very cool. And we've done uh, family shows too. We've we've done uh, events where we've gone to like free comic book day at comic shops. Mm-hmm. Um, we've done uh, Bacon Fest here in Michigan once or twice. Okay, serious topic there. <laughs> bacon. <laughs> don't mess with bacon. You don't mess with people's bacon. <laughs> no, I have tasted some bacon wins and some bacon mm, mistakes. Oh, okay. Boy, yeah, yeah, I can see those. That could be really scary. <laughs> Good. Wow. Um, go ahead. Sorry. No, I was going to say is recently I did some, what was it? Buttermilk deep fried bacon. And I felt that for weeks after. Oh yeah. Yeah. It tasted oh. good though, didn't it? It tasted good for the first couple bites. But then after I started realizing what I was eating, I was just like, ah, I'm going to pay for this. I am so going to pay. <laughs> We had this thing we made at my house uh, years ago. It was slider pie um, is basically what it ended up being. Uh, it was like Jiffy Mix and a bunch of different ingredients and whatnot. But it ended up tasting like a White Castle slider. Mm-hmm. And so I got the idea that the next time we made it, let's, uh, let's throw bacon in. Because bacon makes everything better. It sure does. Ruined it. Oh. I don't know why. The flavor of bacon mixed in with the, the, the ingredients for the slider pie did not taste good. <laughs> well, sometimes bacon just does what it wants to do. Sometimes you should just <laughs> eat bacon by itself. Bacon, bacon wants what bacon wants. <laughs> <laughs> um, now, had you, like, earlier, before you got involved with podcasting, had you had any sort of creative outlet? Um, yeah, actually, uh, when I was a kid, 
uh, I used to make music. I used to make beats in my, my bedroom. I used uh, uh, Sony Acid, or I don't think it was Sony at that point, um, but I used Acid, which is a program that's still around to this day and would, you know, make looped beats and, and play the uh, um, synthesizer. Mm-hmm. Um, I always kind of wanted to do something in the entertainment industry. I didn't know if I wanted to make music for a living, but um, I, I kind of settled on wanting to be in the radio, in, in radio. Um, I always joked that I, I had two career choices that I wanted when I was in high school. I either wanted to be uh, on the radio or a mortician. Wow. Now, I do find that a lot of people who are podcasters, like myself, uh, um, are were uh, inspired by radio. Um, you don't strike me as as old enough to really be in uh, be remember radio's heydays. Is that is that right? Or well, uh, define remember radio's heydays. <laughs> well, I I don't know. I I sort of think that. Well, I don't listen to the radio much anymore. I'll tell you that. And it's been maybe about. 20 years, I think, since I think radio's been relevant to me. So my mother and my stepfather, of course, were both older, you know, grew up in the 60s and 70s and whatnot. And uh, I found an affinity for radio theater Mm, uh, from a very early age. Like I was listening to tapes of uh, Jack Benny and Amos and Andy and stuff like that long before I ever found music as a kid. And uh, so the idea of a show that you couldn't see but was still funny, you know, it blew my mind. Um, and then uh, my mom showed me uh, – we watched that show, Head of the Class. I'm a, I'm a child of the 80s. Right? Right. I was born in the 80s. Um, we watched a show called Head of the Class that uh, star- starred Howard Hessman, um, which – you know, rest in peace. And uh, I, I will say this until my dying day, booger. So if you really watch WKRP, you'll know. Uh-huh. <laughs> but the anyway, Cincinnati so watched... area has never been the same ever since. <laughs> no, I watched head of the class and my, I, I liked uh, Howard Hessman's character, Mr. Moore. So my mother showed me WKRP in Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. Um, my appreciation may not have been for at that time as it was happening, but I am very much a fan of old media. Gotcha. Gotcha. So, no, I do not remember them as they happened, but I know who Wolfman Jack was, and (laughs) (laughs) I know who Dr. Demento was, and I know about uh, a lot of radio's crates. Hey, Dr. Demento's still out there. Yeah, <laughs> he's still doing his thing. Um, that's awesome. That is awesome. Yeah, the the radio personalities back in the day, and yeah, they just don't. I mean, obviously, they moved on to different medium now. I mean, I think they're still there, but I think mostly radio to me is just program music as well, or or a lot of talk that uh, is a bunch of hot air, if you ask me. But do you guys cuss on your show? Uh, you can. We'll put it uh, if it, it depends on how severe it is. We might bleep it. It won't be that severe. At least I don't think it will be. Most of nowadays radio is this auto de- auto DJ. Mm-hmm. You know, it's Agreed. cheaper to <laughs> agree completely on that. 
it's cheaper. I, I understand why it's an economic thing. It's cheaper to, to buy a program and let it run than actually pay someone with any talent to do what they do. That doesn't mean that, that it's right. Yeah. Absolutely. No, I agree. I agree. Um, there's a really cool, doc- by the way, if you haven't seen it, because I think it's right up your alley, if you have not seen a documentary or read the book, a story of WBCN in Worcester, Massachusetts, mm-hmm. or sorry, in Boston, Massachusetts, read it. it you'll, I, you'll get it. You'll get it because it tells you about the power of radio. Okay. Um, and unfortunately, it's a sad story because it, it, was tra- it met its tragic end uh, gradually over decades. But still, it and started off. the story ends with heartbreak. It was, uh, it was an amazing, amazing ride. And uh, I, I really appreciated it. The documentary just came out like last year. So, um, all right. So now that we found out what you're doing, uh, let's find out what your passions are. Mike, I, I think he's ready for the geek seat, man. You keep on always saying that week after week, Mike. But, you know, this guy, he is just so odd. I think he might just <laughs> cinch it perfectly. All right. Are you ready for your first question in the geek seat? I will do my best. Okay. Odd man, what was your favorite geek out moment? Mm. Okay, so I'm a horror movie nerd. Okay. All right. Um, I'm a horror movie geek, I should say. Nerd is not the appropriate word to use in the geek seat. We are horror movie geeks. And uh, having Tony Todd throw his arms around me and lift me up and hug me at a horror convention. I think that was my my ultimate geek out moment for at least horror there. That's pretty awesome. The man is huge. (laughs) Yes. Yes, yes, yes. That's awesome. And, you know, for to make you feel like you're a small kid being lifted up by him, it's just like, oh, my God. Yeah, because I'm a big dude. Like, yeah. I don't know how well you can tell, but I am wide. <laughs> <laughs> Not only is he odd, folks, he is wide. So there yes. you go. What was your most disappointing geek out moment? Hmm. Uh, Motor City Comic Con, um, I forget the year. Uh, you know how they always say, don't meet your heroes? Mm-hmm. Well, I, I narrowly avoided one of those don't meet your hero moments because I was able to read the body language coming off the person. Uh, Charles Fleischer, uh, voice of Robert Rabbit, Robert mm-hmm. Roger Rabbit, <laughs> Roger Rabbit, thank you. Um, uh, I was a big Roger Rabbit fan, and I knew a lot of his other work, too. And uh, I was at uh, a comic convention here in Detroit, and he had no line. Like, nobody was standing there. And he just had this very sour look on his face. And I really wanted to go talk to him because, like, I, I I like voiceover work. I love the movie Roger Rabbit. And I just decided against it because he did not look happy and I did not want that moment completely ruined or have like the, the movie that I love so much ruined. So that was one of my more disappointing geek moments is because I chose not to have my heart crushed any further. (laughs) That's that's probably a wise move. Definitely a wise move. What geeks you out the most? It varies. It honestly does. 
Um, it just depends on the mood that I'm in that day. Some days audio editing or video editing it will, I, I'll just dive in and I'll, I'll get this great idea to make a bit work or, you know, come up with uh, a new intro or for something or another. Other times it could be a comic book or it could be a new book. I mean, I got ADHD, man. So <laughs> welcome to the club. Hello. <laughs> You know, whatever geeks me out is basically just the the win that moment. But if you want a solid answer, so it's not just a cop out, a a, a new B horror movie is is what geeks me out. Something if someone can turn me on to something new, I, I'm 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 there. Cool, I love it. That's awesome. What turns you geek off? You had to know that was coming. Come on. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. <laughs> uh, no. I don't really have, like, a huge geek turnoff. Um, making fun of, like, seriously making fun of something that someone loves is a huge geek turnoff for me. I, I'm sure it is for everybody. That's That's not it. Like, I'll tease my wife about Animal Crossing, but I don't mean anything mean by it. But when someone is just like, you're stupid for liking that, you're just like, oh, man, uh, why you got to be like that? Mm -hmm. No, totally understand that completely. We grew up with that through high school or, you know, and such, you know. Oh, you like Doctor Who? Or you like Star Trek, you know, or comic books or whatever. And it's like, you know. It's like, oh, you want me to make fun of your sports ball team? Yeah. yeah never mind that 90% of the stories that were in Doctor Who comic books or sci-fi or Star Trek or anything like that were light years above anything that they could even comprehend. Yeah. No, completely. I understand that. And most of it would be like, I don't get it. What? Exactly. My whole reasoning that the Eternals got panned at the, the by the critics is I believe that they just didn't get it. Mm-hmm. I loved it. I thought it was yeah. an amazing movie. And it was on my top 10 list of the year. So, so yeah. What fictional character would you like to meet the most? <laughs> Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Mm. Remember, we're somewhat family friendly. <laughs> <laughs> I know. That's, uh, that's why my brain was like, no, don't say that one. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, can I change it slightly to fictional yeah. world I'd like to be in? Sure. Because sure. any of the characters I wouldn't mind meeting in that world. The Looney Tunes world. Oh, cool. I, I like the idea of just being able to, like, pull crap out of nowhere. You know, something that you need. Just whoop, here it is. Or send it. Well, you don't send away for Acme because then it's going to screw you. So Yeah, that's true. You never get anything from the Acme Corporation. You have to realize that. Yeah, any of the the characters from the Looney Tunes would be great to meet, but just being able to live within their world would be wonderful. No, agreed. Good answer. That's a great answer. Which fictional character would you not like to meet? Hmm. Does the character themselves have to be a geek? No. No. You, you know, like we keep on telling people on the show, you can geek out about music, art, science, wrestling, you know, sports ball, whatever, you know, it doesn't have to be, you know, 
something from a comic book or Star Trek or something. The I forget his name, but the if it, we're going with a fictional character that I don't want to meet, uh, the bad guy that is in. Um, Mm, why can't I think of the name? It's one of my favorite books. Wow. Um, Tesseract. Someone help me. Help me get to the name of the dang book. I'm not sure. Hold on. I'll, I'll get there. <laughs> Quick Google search will bring it up. A Wrinkle in Time, the bad guy that's in A Wrinkle in Time. Oh. He scared the living crap out of me as a kid. It was one of my favorite books. It still is to this day. Oh, The Dark Man. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no. wow. Okay. Yes. I could see that. That's totally. Because <laughs> it's interesting because Wrinkle of Time is such a you know statement against society anyway. And. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it's awesome. I'm glad, you know, that's, it was such a great, great book, but the villain was basically, you know, the government pretty much or the moral majority or whatever you want to call it. So, you know, we're not going to, not, let's not get political because we can go off for hours on that. Two books that I read uh, growing up uh, as a kid were A Wrinkle in Time and The Little Prince. So my wonder, my mother always wondered why I had an anti-establishment attitude. <laughs> what is your favorite geek word, phrase, quote, or pose? Geek quote? When this baby hits 88 miles per hour, you're going to see some serious <laughs> <laughs> love that line. Love yeah. that line. Absolutely perfect. I, I'm a big Back to the Future geek. I, I could sit and watch those movies front to back and endlessly. And they're so smart because all the little isms they put into it and time travel, you know, fallout, which is awesome. Well, and the thing is, too, is like it was one of the first movies that really took the time and care to lay the groundwork for each next movie. Cause they, they were so seamlessly integrated together. Like you didn't feel watching back to the future too, that it was a cash grab. It, you felt like they had intended this from the whole time, which they did. Mm-hmm. And there, there's little nods to stuff you see later. And, and it's just, I, I, I'm going to probably end up watching it this week now. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> I don't blame you. Don't blame you at all. What is your ideal geek occupation? What we do, man. We, as a podcaster, we are the geekiest of geeks, in my opinion. And there's nothing wrong with that. But like, we're a bunch of guys that play with technology to talk to people. No, can't disagree with that. Can't disagree with that at all. What geek occupation would you not like to do, though? No. Uh, <laughs> I would not want to have to be my Wrangler. No, I'm kidding. Um, anything to do with accounting or mathematics. No, well, I think that's one of the number one answers. That or, work, or, or working with computers, I think, is the... Well, I already do that to an extent. Yeah, true. 
because uh, I'm on a network, um, and uh, it's my job to help keep the network running. Nope. Totally makes that sense. That's, that's thankless fun. Nope. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> no, no. Right. My, my network manager thanks me, thankfully. Okay. Okay, odd man. You ready for your final question in the geek seat? Yes. What is your ultimate geek fantasy? To be in a musical. Really? Yes. <laughs> wow. wow. Any particular musical? Um, if I had my choice, if I could get skinny enough, I would love to play Seymour Crowborn in Little Shop of Horrors. If I can't get skinny enough, I could pull off Audrey or Audrey too. <laughs> I wouldn't want to see you in the dress if you were Audrey, so it's okay. <laughs> hey, man, it's 2022, man. We got to get uh, we gotta go to the times. No, I, my mother gave me a love for musicals. She introduced me to Fiddler on the Roof and Miss Saigon and and all and Cats and all these other great musicals. She made she had me watch the Rocky Horror Picture Show when I was six. Man, oh, that explains everything about you now. That really does. <laughs> so, like, I I'm a musical nerd. I mean, I'm a musical geek. I I love musicals and. Yeah, I I would really like to. I can also like I would every so often I'll be walking around the house and I'll get songs from Fiddler on the Roof or Little Shop of Horrors or even Cats stuck in my head and I'm walking around the ghost going. Mike just looks at me like, "What's wrong with you?" Yeah, but yeah, geek dream come true being a musical. Nice, that is awesome, man. Well, Odd Man, I've got some great news for you, my friend. You've made it through the Geek Seat. Congratulations. Huzzah, huzzah. Tell the young man what he's won. You have won a lifetime subscription to the ESO Network, a value easily worth $38.04. Sweet. Yeah. So, Too bad um, it's only in station currency. <laughs> yeah, it uh, decreases the closer you get to the planet. Um, uh. Where can people find you? Where can people join the Cult of Odd? Um, well, we're on every major podcasting platform. Uh, the way we do our show is Friday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern. We broadcast live through tapdetroit.com. Oh, nice. And uh, we t- we we're on for three hours. And uh, we take the first hour of the episode and we turn that into what we call our fun size. Okay. And then we offer that for free. It's on every podcasting platform. It's on YouTube. Um, I'm pretty sure you can get it on uh, your smartwatch or even your dumb watch at this point. I've done everything I could to make it accessible. And then the the full three-hour show goes uh, up to our Patreon. And uh, that you can find that by finding our stuff. Just go to thecultofodd.com, and it'll take you to my page on the network. Awesome. And we will have links to that in our show notes. So thank you so much for joining us. This has been a lot of fun. Yeah, I, I really like this. Um, I like the geek seat, by the way. That's that's cool. Oh, appreciate that. Yeah, we uh, yeah we um you know we kind of stole a little bit from uh, the actor studio, but uh, you know modified it a bit and um, just uh, make it so that uh, we find out what you're interested in. So did something similar with my show um i created something called interview roulette cool um so at the beginning of uh, my interviews that i do i have my guest pick five random numbers between one and 250 (laughs) 
Wow. And then at the end of the interview, I asked the, the questions that correspond with those numbers. And they're off the wall stuff, too. Like, uh, if you could talk to, to animals, what species of animal would you talk to and why? Mm-hmm. So, you know. <laughs> Dip into the Barbara Walters bin, right? <laughs> <laughs> just, just the random crazy stuff that I could think of. That is awesome. awesome. Well, it has been great. Like I said, we'll have links in the show notes so that people can check your show out. Cool. Odd man, it's been awesome talking to you. Thank you, as always, so, so much for being here. Yeah, no problem, man. Anytime. Awesome. We'll have you back. We will definitely have this guy back. I like him. I, I like you guys. Oh, shucks. Oh, it's, it's a love fest. Oh, let's take a quick break, and we're going to be back, and we are going to be talking all about the inductees, or impossible inductees, to the 2022 class for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. This is Ashley Pauls with this week's Box Office Buzz. We have quite a bit to talk about, so I'm going to go ahead and dive on in. Up first, or at least the biggest release likely this weekend, is Death on the Nile, the murder mystery set in Egypt, which I am really excited for. I enjoyed the first Hercule Poirot mystery, Murder on the Orient Express, a couple years ago. And I'm glad that they're making another one. I like the idea of having the same actor play the detective, but doing different mysteries, sort of like what Ryan Johnson is uh, hopefully going to do with Knives Out. And of course, Daniel Craig playing Benoit Blank, and then him just going around having different mysteries to solve. So I think that looks really fun. I haven't heard any reviews for it yet, but I'm trying to be careful because I really don't want to be spoiled about what the mystery is and how it ends, because somehow... I've managed not to hear anything about the plot of Death on a Nile, and I want to keep it that way. Some other movies coming out is Blacklight, another Liam Neeson action movie. This time he is playing an off-the-books fixer for the FBI who goes in and helps pull undercover agents out of dangerous situations. It's really interesting to me that Liam Neeson has kind of become a go-to guy for action movies. In some ways, I think it's kind of a shame because he's an actor with a lot more range. But you know what? If he's having fun with these movies and getting a paycheck, more power to him. And finally, we have the rom-com Marry Me, starring Owen Wilson and Jennifer Lopez about a celebrity singer and a regular guy who end up agreeing to get married, even though they don't really know each other. So based on the trailer that I saw, I think it's... A little bit of a starts out maybe as a publicity stunt or something for PR, but then presumably a real relationship develops later. And then in terms of streaming new stuff, we've got the finale for the book of Boba Fett. I have a lot of thoughts on this series as a whole, but am kind of waiting to wrap up my opinions on this series until I see the finale. Hopefully it'll be a good one. And that's it for this week. If you've got any more entertainment news that you're looking for, be sure to check out my blog over on the ESO podcast website.
So how do we describe this show? Like, what's really going to grab people's attention and make them tune in? Nerdgasm for your eargasm? What? The space must flow to be in the know. Um. Don't be a willow. Grab your pillow. But that one doesn't even make sense. All right, stop. Snag a seat and listen. The nerds are back with the brand new edition. No. Uh, okay, then. The Blurred Nerds Podcast. Rants, raves, reviews, recaps, and other bits of random fandom. Well, see, that's perfect. You should have just led with that one. Resistance is futile. Listen to the Blurred Nerds Podcast right meow. Fine. Make it so. there welcome back to earth station one now we are here to talk all about the 2022 nominees for the rock and roll hall of fame take it away mikey yeah i still haven't gotten used to saying 2022 either no it was like it doesn't doesn't flow out very well um well very cool this came uh, a lot sooner than uh i expected that we expected so we've got this show for us but our music crew is all here including michelle yo Hello. Wow. And, uh, Bambi, actually, both of you were on our show last week, so you guys didn't really move much. Did yeah. they even really we, we leave? Just, we just Did they sat, even leave? We sat here and waited. <laughs> we, <sat> here. <laughs> we, we, we didn't budge for a week. <laughs> and, uh, and Ricky is here as well. Hello. Howdy. Glad you could join us finally, a week later. <laughs> <laughs> you missed us all talking about cats. I know. You were bummed about that. <laughs> he, he, he would, have been, would have been allergic to the discussion i think <laughs> um all right so getting down to it the rock and roll hall of fame uh nominated uh 17 acts um they listed the announcement um last week uh you can go to rockhall.com and vote for oh, is it five? five 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 acts that you think are worthy of getting in um, and uh, you have until April 29th to get your vote in. Hurry, hurry, hurry. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, so yeah, what are you waiting for? Better do it now. Uh, but you can not only vote now, but you can vote often. I think you can vote once a day. Per email address. Per email address. So, um, so yes, if you want to vote every day for an act that you really believe in, uh, feel free to. Now, as I said, it's 17 nominees. Um, and that's a lot for us to try to cover in one episode. So we're going to scale it back. But uh, because a lot of the nominees, 10 of them, in fact, have been nominated before. And we probably discussed them on past shows. So, Michelle, tell us a little bit about the ones that are on the ballot again uh, for a multiple time. Okay. Marking their sixth nomination, MC5. Uh, Rage Against the Machine has their fourth nomination, with their third nomination, it's Kate Bush, New York Dolls, and Judas Priest. Second time on the ballot for Fela Kuti, Dionne Warwick, The Eurythmics, and Pat Benatar. Now, this is not in a row, but just total aggregate nominations. And then our newbies this year are Carly Simon, Duran Duran, Eminem, Beck, A Tribe Called Quest, Dolly Parton, and Lionel Richie. I think you missed Devo. 
third time. Oh, I missed Devo. Yep. Oops. Don't miss Devo. Miss Devo. Well, they're, um, they're not men. They're of... just Devo anyway, so it's okay. Exactly. <laughs> any sort of uh, thing you overview of the nominees that are trying to get in uh, that have been voted already? Um, well, their chances are good or bad, indifferent. Well, what, one that's absent after like seven straight nominations is Shaka Khan, and we all think they're just going to put her in with musical excellence, like what happened with LL Cool J. Mm-hmm. Uh, not really sure why they're not doing that with uh, MC5. They, they they put them on the ballot, and they languish at the bottom year after year. Uh, Fela Kuti is not going to get in on votes. They're going to need to put him in musical excellence, so... Why they took these slots on the ballot for a couple of these artists, I don't know. It is not also- saying they're not worthy. I don't think anybody on this ballot is not worthy. But, yeah, strategically, you got to wonder. It is also weird to me that they, like, for example, Pat Benatar, who I was keen on a couple years ago, she was on the ballot for the first time. Now she's on the ballot again, but she was not on the ballot last year. No. And that's weird to me that they they come and go off the ballot. So it's not like... Some of these have been on like two years in a row, three years in a row, six in a row, or whatever. It's just six times in general. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's no there's no rule that says they can't be on like twenty times, right? Nope. It's just all up to the nomination committee. Yeah. As as crazy as they are. Yeah, the all time record is chic and they were on like twelve times. Any any other uh, thoughts about uh, the list of folks that have already been nominated before? Uh, Ricky, Bambi? I I think most of them we've discussed before pat benatar is one that i I can see her being in the rock and roll hall of fame Mm -hmm. but she's not like at the top of my list of of people that i don't understand why they're not in there Mm -hmm. uh rage against the machine i don't understand why they're not in there yeah yeah yeah. uh, this is their fourth time to try to get in yeah they they were Judas priest yeah both of those bands yeah like judas priest and rage against the machine both rock bands, mm-hmm. which you would think would give them a leg up, but not really. Uh, both rock bands and both of them who are very influential in their subgenre of rock. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I don't know why they're not in there. Mike, what about you? Any any thoughts of the list of uh, previous nominations? No. Um, it's going to be very interesting to think because I think the Eurythmics should be up there because how innovative they were. You know, especially with yeah. especially with the synth and you know Annie Lennox and Dave Stewart were just they were like nothing you had ever seen or heard before, and it was right. just amazing. And it's a shame they have not been put in yet. But this is only their second time, so it'll be very interesting to see if they get in this year. And yeah, you know, whenever I think of the Rhythmics, I think of them as being a new wave mm-hmm. Captain and Tennille. <laughs> oh, not at all, dude. Not at all. <laughs> wow. I just, wow. Yeah. But that's because I'm old. No, I'm not saying anything against them. I love the arrhythmics. I just, like I said, the first thing that, uh, that that's what hits me. But anyway. Um, all right. So let's focus on the first timers, the rookies, if you will, the Rock Hall rookies. Um, we are going to try to, well, I don't know if I'll go in alphabetical order or not, but we'll start with Beck. All right. So. Uh, Bambi, what's what are your thoughts on Beck? Well, I do think he's influential. I will say that. Agreed. I can, can kind of understand it. It feels like 
he's he's influenced a lot of people. It's a unique style. A lot of people didn't do it until he did it. I don't, I don't really have a whole lot to say on that. So I'm like, I can see it, <laughs> but I would have gone with some of the others before him in all seriousness, seriousness, but I don't know. Is this his first year of eligibility? Yes. Probably. Probably. I, I think Probably. so. What, what year was Odelay? I, I don't know. Um, uh, Ricky, what are your thoughts on Beck? Similar to Bambi, I think that he was really innovative. Uh, when he first came out, or when I first heard him, I remember thinking that it was a big change in what I was hearing on the radio. It seemed it seemed very strange at the time. His whole presentation seemed very strange. And although for me, he was an acquired taste, it took me a long time to really appreciate him. Um, I, I wouldn't say that he's at the top of my list of people that I'm surprised uh, are either on the ballot or would be surprised if they didn't get in. Um, but I could, I could understand either way yeah. with him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Michelle? He's kind of out of my wheelhouse. Uh, kind of expected that he'd show up on a ballot sooner or later. Um, and now he's here. It kind of seems random almost, but uh, <laughs> I've been expecting him. I don't think he'll get in this year. I think it's going to take a couple of tries, but he'll get in there. I'll never forget the first time you saw him. We were watching some... No, uh, don't say that. (laughs) I want to hear it. No, no, you can't say that. (laughs) No, I'm not going to say... It just you didn't know what to make of him. You were like, "What's is something wrong with him?" Because he was he was he was not performing. He was just uh, accepting, or uh, he was it was a part of an award show. It's part of the Grammys, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, because he's he's really unorthodox in everything he does. His whole mm-hmm. presentation, his whole persona. Um, I can't think of like like he has like maybe a couple of hits, and I don't know how well his records sell. But I think he's one of those influences that's like it's a musician's musician, right? Where it's like he's yeah. open. He did things that a lot of people weren't doing that a lot of people now are doing. Right? Yeah, that is correct. Yes, yes. Uh, Mike, what are your thoughts on Beck? Well, Beck was always very, very innovative with what he does. No two albums that he ever did sounded the same. And that was always the interesting thing with him. He always you know, came out of left field with something new that you'd never expect. He was very experimental. He was very avant-garde in some ways. And like I think Ricky said, it was hard to pin him down and get a taste for him. You know, when I first heard Loser, it was just like wow, this is demeaning and, you know, this is putting <laughs> putting himself down and it's just like, and, you know, but then, you know, then his next album, I was like, oh, this is great. I love this stuff because I was still working. I was in, you know, working in radio in Seattle at the time, um, working with the NPR station. We got an early version of his release of his album and it was, we were so the music director was listening to it, and I said, "Who the heck is this?" And he says, "It's Beck." And I said, "The loser guy." He says, "He's just not the loser guy, Mike." 
<laughs> He'll always be the loser guy. Yeah, and but yeah, Mike Patton. Exactly. Mike Patton's kind of like that. But it's but it's like you know that's what I you know when I think of Beck that's where I think of him as. But uh, he also you know there's a I have like three or four of his DVDs and his CDs and such on you know at home, and I love the stuff he does. But am I a huge fan? No. It, it's not like oh I'm sitting around what am I going to listen to not back but <laughs> not back not back okay <laughs> um yeah I yeah I, I I don't know I don't you have a lot more albums than I do because I think uh, I don't even know if I have any back on my playlist probably a couple probably loser um because uh, that's that was his biggest hit I think yeah uh, thus far anyway I mean he's not done uh, that's the other thing I mean he's still pretty young he might be the youngest one on this list no it's Tim and him oh really no. gotcha um, well I guess that'll be a segue uh, so we'll go with uh, yeah the next one on the list now this is his first year of eligibility and that is Eminem um, Bambi what do you think of Eminem well Eminem is not somebody I'm a fan of but I can respect what he does, I guess. <laughs> I feel like with him, it feels more like his influence was more about, I, I guess, the headlines and the the drama that he had he would create than his actual songs, <laughs> than his actual music. Seems like he was in the tabloids a good bit with him having fights with other people. Right. Right. His mouth got him into trouble. Yes. Um, Ricky? I have no comment. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> well, you know, my mom always said, if you can't say something nice about someone, right? Uh, so that's fair. That's fair. Uh, my mom always used to say, if you can't say anything nice about someone, it's probably because you're such a jerk. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> I knew I liked your mom. No. No. She's candid. <laughs> exactly. Uh, Michelle? Um, again, not in my wheelhouse. I recognize that he's... I mean, he's an Academy Award winner. He's, yeah. um, I did like that one. He's definitely an icon in the genre, and he should and will get in. Everybody... it's He's a shoe-in. He's leading the fan vote right now. I think he's going to be a... First year eligible inductee, but he is 49 years old. Mm. There's no rush. Why the rush to skate him in there when there are hip hop pioneers that they have not looked at yet? Like Eric B. and Rakeem, Outcast has not gotten a nomination. And again, the Rock Hall has left female hip hop artists completely out in the cold. Mm. Salt and Pepper. Queen Latifah, Roxanne Chante, MC Light, all recognized for being pioneers in the genre, and a woman has never been nominated. So why why the rush to skate him in there so fast? He's got time. Mike? Truthfully, you know, the only thing I know by him is what I saw in the movie. And, yeah. you know, I, it was I'm not a rap person, and I like a lot of early rap, but when it got to the point like Eminem and, you know, stuff like, you know, getting into that era, it just wasn't 
my cup of tea and I'm going to sound like the old white guy here, but you know, it just, it, I'm not a rap fan. So do I think he's talented? Yes. Did I like the movie? Yes. But you know, other than that, I've heard one or two things about him, but you know, I've heard him get into, you know, run his mouth and it turned me off from him. You know, yeah. and you know what he used to say about the gays, and you know, and people with HIV, and you know, people of you know of that are different than him. He was, you know, I wanted. There was times I wanted to go, what an ass! I don't want to even, you know, acknowledge his existence. And supporting him getting into the hall, maybe, might be, you know, if I support that, you know, am I supporting him? So. Have there has there been a lot of controversy as far as him being problematic to get in, Michelle? Like from I mean, the, it's it's been mentioned, but it's mm-hmm. not going to. He's he's also mellow, he's mellowed out and made amends up with a lot of the folks he degraded also over the years. Gotcha. Because gotcha. he even recorded with Elton John. Damn it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yeah, who can forget that awkward hug? Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> um, well, uh, you know, uh, I actually enjoy uh, a lot of Eminem's music. I have uh, more tracks, way more tracks of Eminem in my play, in my uh, iTunes than I do of Beck or a lot of the other artists on this list. Um, so, um, you know, uh, I think. I think at first a lot of people thought he was a novelty because once, you know, he was another white rapper and those didn't tend to last very long, you know, like snow or uh, vanilla ice. Um, but then people realized, Oh my God, like this guy's actually got something more to say. He's got more talent than that. He's not just a one hit guy. What are, you, what are you laughing about? Snow. 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 You forget about snow. Oh Yeah. <laughs> You've just given Snow his only podcast mention. <laughs> yeah, he's like, someone mentioned my name in the Rock Hall. That's awesome. Uh, come on. That's Snow. never happened before. Come ever. on, Snow. The only words you could ever understand in that song was boom, boom, baby, now or whatever. <laughs> so you can even. Informer. There you go. So, but, you know, does. I don't know about like letting him in so soon. I mean, if you're going to let him in, let him in, you know, like it's, he's eligible. He should, he should, he should be in. Uh, so let him in. So, uh, I think that's, that's fair on, on, on Eminem. So, and, and like Michelle says, regardless of what we think, he's probably getting it no matter what. Um, all right. So next on the list is Lionel Richie. Truly. So, what are your thoughts? <laughs> <laughs> Hello. Um, it wasn't me I was looking now, for. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, Bambi, what are your thoughts on Lionel Richie? Um, I know that song, the Hello. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think if I know any and, of it. And, and you know the yet. video? Yeah, that though. It's the more the stalker video. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. He was stalking a poor blind girl. Oh my god. Yeah. The, the, <laughs> yeah. The stalk of the blind girl. <laughs> That I don't know. I mean, I I know he was a, a big deal at one point, but I I really don't know much about him beyond that. Ricky, any thoughts on Lionel Richie? 
Is air supply in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? <laughs> not that I know of. Is he? No. Was he in their sport? He was not. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> <What>? <laughs> no. I, I was just going to say. Wow, if, Bambi. Wow. <laughs> if that's rock, I think Lionel Richie has has contributed enough to be considered. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I, I don't know as a solo artist, if he's contributed enough to, to really warrant induction into the rock and roll hall of fame, but he had some hits. I had one of his solo albums, probably the only one that everybody had <laughs> <laughs> one with uh, all night long. And hello. And, Oh, I know that one all night long. I didn't know that was him. Dancing on the ceiling. (laughs) Dancing on the ceiling. I I believe that was the album title. Dancing on the ceiling. I don't know if I know that. Oh, what a feeling. (laughs) To be dancing on the ceiling. Yeah. It was Uh, a good album. Um, You know, again, when we're talking about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, Lionel Richie isn't somebody that I would be marching around with a sign saying, let him in. Right. But... I mean, hey, there are worse people that they've let in. Uh, Michelle, as far as Lionel Richie goes, um, th- now he's not even a two. He's not going to be a two timer, right? Because the Commodores aren't in, right? Never nominated. The Commodores were never nominated. I don't know why they went with him solo and not a Commodore. <laughs> yeah, I'm actually well, shocked on that sense. one. I was really yeah. shocked on that so, one. Because, yeah, the Commodores... Now, the Commodores, I don't know... They weren't as big as, like, the Four Tops or uh, the Four... Uh, they were huge in the 70s. The Temptations. Yeah, they were. They were yeah. really they as big as those bands? Mm-hmm. And, but, and I had, are I was, those bands in? But those were the... Those those were the Mike, those were the 60s. These are, the Commodores were the 70s. And they were... The Commodores were up there with Earth, Wind, and Fire and stuff like that. Yeah, mm-hmm. I just assumed the Commodores were already in the Rock yeah, and Roll. I thought, yeah, I had thought so, too. If the yeah. Commodores aren't in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, what are they doing inducting Lionel Richie? Exactly. No. That yeah. makes no sense. It's <laughs> kind yeah. of weird. That's what I was wondering. It's like, is he going to be a two-timer? Yeah, but you know what? For his display, you know, the thing, they could have that creepy statue thing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, think, of, think of all of the, like, you know, silly TikTok videos and stuff that could come out of that. <laughs> yeah, they're they're all thinking about social media. Um, and get well, a selfie thinking with about artists. Apparently, get yeah. a selfie with the creepy Lionel Richie statue. Um, <laughs> uh, Michelle, so so, what are your thoughts on him solo? Well, he is in the Songwriters Hall of Fame, which is very difficult to get into. Um, and he is uh, a new recipient of the Gershwin Prize, so clearly. People want to hand him awards. This seems to be. <laughs> I, I would have gone with. I would have gone with the Commodores, but I certainly don't begrudge him. Because it does seem to me that because uh, the Commodores even had a hit like without him, like after he left, right? right. Yeah, they had that song "Night Shift." Uh, Night Shift. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, they were like, yeah, "F you, Lionel. We, we're fine." <laughs> um, <laughs> but. Uh, yeah, because it seemed like, to me, it seemed like he had a burst, like, uh, for a few years, and then nothing. So, I didn't know, you said he, uh, songwriting, uh, songwriting-wise, does he have, like, songs that he's written for other people that have become hits? 
You know, I th- I think he did write a hit for somebody, and the name of it is escaping me at the moment. Gotcha. So, but I mean, he's but so he's been doing stuff behind the scenes as well. He's not yeah. just a front man, uh, or a, a guy in a creepy video. Yeah. Um, well, that's a whole different story. <laughs> so, uh, Mike, what are your thoughts on on Lionel? Lionel Richie in the early '80s, probably till probably like '87 was a a machine. He kept on hit, putting out hits and hits and hits. But after that, not so much. And I truthfully, you know, he also had endless love with um was Diana Ross, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, and that was huge. But, you know, but his but his music, you know, was if Every time on Top 40, you heard Lionel Richie, you know, like the songs we had mentioned, you know, Hello, you know, or Dancing on the Ceiling or, you know, All Night Long. There was, it was just boom, boom, hit after hit after hit. Do I think it's enough to get him in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? No. I would have much rather seen him with the Commodores. I thought, think that would have been more appropriate because I thought the Commodores were more of an influencer than he was. Mm-hmm. I wonder. I wonder if he is there. Bad blood there between mm. him and the Commodores. Like, is it, it has to be one or the other? Mm, not sure. Yeah, I don't know. We don't know anything. Right the Hall doesn't care about that. They put in Deep Purple as a group. <laughs> the guys in Deep Purple were like, "We're going to fist fight on stage." <laughs> <laughs> the Hall of Fame was like, "Hey, ratings!" Yeah. Exactly. They were like, "Yes, yes, yes." Uh, yeah. One of one yeah. of the guys. One of the guys tweeted that he was going to punch some other guy in Deep Purple, and there was some fan that tweeted back, you guys to push an 80. Please. (laughs) (laughs) Touche. Touche. But, you know, they also inducted Van Halen, who couldn't even really manage to show up. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Uh, Lionel wrote Lady for Kenny Rogers. Oh, okay. Gotcha. So, um... Okay, so all right. Um, there's another Kenny Rogers link that we'll get to later. Um, <laughs> um, all right, so next on the ballot, and I can't believe that this is her first time on the ballot, is Carly Simon. Well, she's so vain. I don't know. <laughs> and literally, that's the only song I know by her, other than that's this, other than the Spy Who Loved Me. Wow. Uh, anticipation coming around again. Uh, let the river run. I've only heard um, of anticipation because that's that was on. Nobody a, does it better, which is actually a Marvin Hamlet. That's the spy. Love me, uh, and yeah. yeah, the the anticipation. The only reason I even knew that was because of the ketchup commercial. Um, <laughs> wow, uh, Bambi, what are your thoughts on Carly Simon? I know the song. You're so vain. <laughs> Do you know who it's about? There's many people it could be no. about. <laughs> probably think it's about you. It's not, it's not about me. Honestly, I don't care what you heard. It's not about me. I was. I don't think I was even alive when that song came out. Uh, or at least not in a position that uh, I could have been written about. No. Uh, Ricky, your thoughts on Carly Simon? My dad liked Carly Simon. I've probably heard more of her stuff just because of that, but I, I never think about Carly Simon. 
I mean, it would never have occurred to me that she deserved to be inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, but she did have a lot of hits, I guess. Gotcha. Michelle? Oh, I stand for Carly Big. I, I did a blog post about this like three years ago. Um, there are two people in music who have won Grammys, Oscars, and Golden Globes for one song. And one is Bruce Springsteen and the other is Carly Simon. Wow. Uh, she had tons of hits. Um, she brought a very intelligent sensibility to singing singer-songwriter genre. Um, she's a very logical choice, I think, after Carole King. Definitely after Carole King, but... Um, Definitely a logical choice and um, big influence on uh, Tori Amos has acknowledged her, uh, Taylor Swift. Paul might have to get Taylor Swift back for a second year to perform. Um, and I'm sure artists like um, Sarah Bareilles. Um, so the influence is definitely there. I'm, I'm very pleased. Mm, awesome. Mike? Mm, I don't think she's, you know, I don't think she's that big of an influence truthfully and i think there's a lot of other female artists i would rather see nominated and hell i'd rather even would have seen uh tori put in there you know because tori is eligible now and i would have loved to seen tori amos go in or you know at least be nominated but you know carly simon i don't really think about her all that much and you know I would rather see if it came down to her or Pat Benatar. I'd rather have Pat Benatar. Well, if I had to make that decision, I mean, yeah. obviously I'm going with Pat uh, every yeah. each every day. I mean, I'm I can't believe she wasn't put in the last time she was nominated. That that and it took her so long to be nominated. That mm -hmm. that makes me mad. <laughs> um, as far as Carly Simon goes, I like in my mind she's like the queen of soft rock. And uh, she and I used to have a, a tape because I had both of them on uh, CD, but I had uh, the greatest hits of James Taylor on one side of the tape. And I had the greatest hits of Carly Simon on the other side of the tape. And I used to mellow out to that tape a lot. Like that was like <laughs> that. I mean, that that was a that was really good music. I, I put Carly Simon in with uh, like almost like a female equivalent of James Taylor. And James Taylor's in, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So um, the songs that she's written and responsible for, I mean, I, I think she she's... Now, did she sing a lot of, like, Carol songs? Or does she wrote her own, most of her own stuff? She wrote or co-wrote most of them, although Nobody Does It Better, again, is Marvin. Yeah, Lewis. I knew that, yeah. And that's the way I've always heard it should be. It was actually co-written... The lyrics were written by a guy, which is just kind of my boy. Huh. Um, so I don't have a problem with her getting in, uh, not at all. Um, but as you know, you guys pointed out, I could see others getting in before her. Um, and, uh, yeah, um, I, I but I could definitely see her. Uh, I could make a case for that. Um, all right. Now we're going to go with, now we've talked about this group a lot. Uh, we talked about them last year because they had their 40th anniversary. Mm -hmm. And that is Duran Duran. Uh, so obviously we have a lot to say about this band. I don't know if, it, I can't remember though in the episode if we talked about them like 
you know, being in the Rock Hall or or how we felt about that. So, so Bambi, how do you feel about Duran Duran in in the Rock Hall? I actually think they're a really solid choice because they're an influential. They have a lot of hits. A lot of people know who they are. Seems like that would be an important one. Just people being familiar. And man, that would make a really good like display walkthrough. Man, that would make a good good thing to you know just visually. Nothing else. They they did so much visually in addition to their music. So I think they're a really solid choice. Awesome. Ricky? I I agree with Bambi and would like to also add that when MTV came out, they were some of the early big, big hitters when it came to MTV. So if you want to talk about music videos i don't think you can argue that that they weren't a huge influence on music videos um musically they were doing something that may have been influential but i can't think of another band that's even come close to doing the kind of things that they did Mm -hmm. so uh i definitely think duran duran should be in the rock and roll hall of fame no question Absolutely. I don't think you can talk about the 80s as as a musical decade without including them. I It's amazing how time goes by and now Duran Duran are like elder statesmen. <laughs> I, I think they're a sure shot. I think they will definitely be, be going in. I think out of everybody, I think they are the sure shot. And yet they're not leading the fan book, which is odd to me. Um, you'd think all the Duran heads would be out in droves yeah, uh, to try to get them in. I do think we talked about this a little bit when we talked about them on the episode that we did last year, but they do have this sort of like, a lot of people think that, oh, they're just that good-looking band that was in videos and they had a bunch of hits. Um, but they, but the thing that we discussed that I think we all appreciate, and if you really understand their music, these guys can all play. They're like all really, really good musicians, vocalists, what have you. Um, they just didn't like, you know, they didn't they didn't just churn out other people's hits. They didn't require like somebody to do the work for them. These guys really worked their butts off and, and produced some really incredible music. And not just in the 80s. They made a big comeback in the, what, the late 90s, 2000s, right? Mm-hmm. Early, 90s. Are, Early 90s. And are still making music. Um, and, uh, and I, I think, you know, I think they are great statesmen. I, they, they, yeah. If you're going to, if you're going to shoot for like a goal to be like a band, like Durant, you, Durant Durant is like a band that you could honestly like say, that's a goal. That would be a cool goal to have. Um, and, uh, and yeah, I don't know if the, as you said, I don't know if the influence is as, 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 overt as some of the other folks on this list or some of the other folks that are in there. But I certainly think like, if you don't have Duran Duran, you don't have arcade fire. Yeah. I've heard uh panic at the disco mentioned. Gotcha. I'm not as familiar yeah. with them, but uh, yeah. Um, and they cross over too. They cross over into different um, genres too. Like, you know, you've got, you know, your rock hits, your pop hits, your, I think even, you know, they've done dance hits. You know, um, uh, not so much country, but, you know, 
James Bond soundtrack. Give a time. Yeah, they are another. They are another. Yeah, they're 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 the second person on this list that's contributed to a James Bond soundtrack. So, uh, (laughs) if there's if there's a James Bond Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, uh, there's two entries right there. Um. All right. So definitely, we. I think we're all agreeing that uh, that they have they they should be in Bond. Simon Um, (laughs) (laughs) and uh, with the ceremonies being in in, uh, an unannounced yet uh, time and place in uh, the fall we do know that they will be in LA right Uh, so we're just not sure when and all that and when tickets go up or whatever but like you know the headliner of that evening is going to be Durant Right. Like, I think that's just that makes sense in L.A. Come on. You know, um, oh, guaranteed. All right. So next on the list, we have a controversial because uh, I've heard word about this one uh, pro and con. And that is Dolly Parton. And I remember, Michelle, I shot this name out to you like when we were thinking about people to put in the lane. And I said, Dolly Parton would be pr- pretty cool. And you said, no. <laughs> so I'm going to ask you first. What do you think about Dolly Parton being on the on the list? I don't begrudge any flowers thrown at Dolly, but she's not a priority for me. Mm. If if I could wave a magic wand, I would put her in as a special, super duper person influence. <laughs> Kind of category, but just just looking at her pop career, if you t- if you just isolated all the country and just looked at her pop crossover hits, you wouldn't really induct her. I think. But the thing is, you also get her. She also wrote the number one, you know, song almost of all time. You know, and they let Whitney in. You know, and so she she just sang it. (laughs) Yes, because Whitney. But yeah, she sang it. But she wouldn't have had a song if Dolly didn't write that song. Yeah, true. And Dolly is just. I'm going to go on the opposite side. I think she deserves to be in it because she's influenced. You said like Carly Simon has influenced Dolly Parton has influenced way more than Carly Simon. And you know, I would say you know. Probably most female vocalists, you know, probably have, you know, looked at Dolly Parton, you know, more than once as an influencer. And right there alone, I would think would be reason to let her in. Maybe as, you know, an honorary thing, but if she doesn't get voted in. But I definitely think she deserves to be there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bambi, what about you? I do think she deserves to be in there. And it. I think she was a bigger influence than I would have thought originally just from all the younger, the younger generation right now seems to really, really like Dolly Parton. And I'm talking music. I mean, uh, like uh, Miley Cyrus covered Jolene or the song Jolene specifically seems to be making some sort of comeback. Mm -hmm. The White Stripes covered it. And had a significant, I guess, underground hit with it, if that makes <laughs> kind of sense. Um, I said Miley Cyrus covered it, and that was a pretty solid cover. <laughs> uh, 
what is a significant underground hit? Yeah, I I'm just saying, it's weird. It's like, <laughs> it's so big, but I don't think of it as mainstream. You know, you don't hear, it, uh, hear that on the radio, but you pretty much ask any youth right now, and they're aware of it. Hmm. I, I don't know what's on the radio these days, uh, to be honest with you. I haven't listened to the radio in ages, but... Um, I, think, old, I think they're calling my later inductor for sure. Uh, that would be, yeah, I could see that. She's her goddaughter. Uh, and and she'll probably get in at some point as well. Um, she's a future possible Hall of Famer. Uh, Ricky, what are your thoughts on Dolly Parton? If rap music is part of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, then Dolly Parton should definitely be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I mean, my, my first... If this were my introduction to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, I would say, but she's a country artist who had some pop hits. But if the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is truly for any genre of music, regardless of what genre it is, Dolly Parton has been one of the biggest female influences in all of popular music. Not only that, but she's been a huge influence to female artists She's had huge hit songs, lots of hit songs, and she's a cultural icon. Yeah. And has been since the 70s. Yeah. I, mean, I, I, I can't think of a person, if we're talking about every genre of music, I can't think of too many people who would be higher on the list than her. If, if, if we take the words rock and roll out of Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and we're just talking about music hall of Fame. all popular music... Mm-hmm. I, I there aren't too many people who are bigger icons than she is yeah, in every respect, except that she's not rock and roll in every other way. I mean, she's a huge influence. She's had tons of hits. She's had staying power. She's written songs that have been huge hits for other people. Uh, she has a theme park. I was going to say, <laughs> she has a theme park. <laughs> you know, the, she's obviously, an extremely well-known person in music. And actually, you know, pointing out she's such a big icon. And this is, I always said, I would, I will have felt like I've made it. If I made it to this point, drag Queens dress like her. She is such a big icon (laughs) that drag Queens put like, she's a big deal in their show. Yeah. Yeah. So if, if you take rock and roll out of rock and roll hall of fame, which they did years ago, I can't see any reason why she shouldn't be at the top of this year's list, even higher, in my opinion, than Duran Duran. I, uh, I, I agree with all that. Um, as far as, uh, to me, one of the things that, like, the, the sort of uh, things I looked at was, like, is Johnny Cash in? Then there's a guy who transcended the country genre and, and went into pop culture. And, and in a significant way, and I think Dolly's done the exact same thing. Not in the same way, obviously. They're very different as far as personalities and everything else. But And one's did, uh, and one's not. Uh, but uh, um, also, um, uh, Dolly Parton, if there was a Hall of Fame for creepy songs, <laughs> she would be, like, right in there because she's got, like, three or four, maybe even five, like, songs that are just really creepy. Like creepy, creepy, ew. Like sting, uh, creepy. No, even worse than that. 
Really? Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. like, ooh, seven couple, points. <laughs> she's got a couple of songs that I'm like, that just, I'm like, how can you be singing this? Stuff? Like, this is, <laughs> that's Dolly Parton? Like, yeah, I wish I had a list of uh, um, uh, top 10 creepiest Dolly Parton songs. Oh, man, there, you would be, you would be blown away if you have not heard some of these songs. Um, but, uh, oh, man. Anyway, so, um, so I ever, since I found that out, uh, I have looked was, at her very that, differently. There was that one song that just gave you nightmares and some interview she gave about it. She just giggled. Yeah, she's just like, hee hee hee. And I'm like, this is really disturbing, lady. Uh, There's a little voice dying or whatever it was. Um, anyway, um, so, but I agree. I mean, Dolly Parton is a significant figure in pop culture and uh, deserves all the awards that she can get. So, uh, this is just one more. All right, last but certainly not least, or maybe least, depending on how you feel about them. Uh, Bambi, how do you feel about Tribe Called Quest? I do think they're an influence, even if I'm not super familiar with them. I, it's like I think I can name one of their songs, and I actually really liked it. Was it We the People? I think is what it was. But I do think they're an influence. It's just not my wheelhouse. Understood, uh, Ricky. Well, anyone who's heard me talk about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame knows that (laughs) I'm not a a huge supporter of rap acts being in there. But I will say, if you're going to have rap music in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, A Tribe Called Quest should definitely be in there. Wow. I think that they were tremendously innovative. And uh, they did something in rap. They took rap seriously and they brought influences from other genres that um hadn't been explored yet before um i i just think if you're gonna include rap at all a tribe call quest should be should definitely be in there i i don't think that they're as high on the list as dolly parton i don't think they're as high on the list as duran duran um but in in terms of rap, I would definitely put them in there. Okay. Mr. Joe? I didn't really know anything about them. I knew that the album Low End Theory was uh, a landmark album. Um, so I was doing a little listening and researching, and I saw an interesting quote. Um, I think it was the guy from the publisher of Ebony Magazine said, if if it's left of anything, it came from the tribe. Hmm. So they, they are, um, yeah, in, they are all, all hip hop. And it's a, like, like Bambi said, it's not my wheelhouse, but from what I understand, they definitely belong in there. I don't think they'll get in on this ballot but I think they'll probably show up again and eventually make it. And I want to add, I'm not a fan of their music in terms of being a listener, but as a musician, I have tremendous respect for what they did. It's not my thing, but I greatly respect it for, for the genre. Gotcha. That makes total sense. Uh, Mike? Well, pretty much, I'm going to say, you know, what everyone else did. I 
have heard very limited of their songs, but I know they were innovative and they basically, you know, deserve eventually to be there. Do I think now? Not a hundred percent sure, but I know they will eventually get there. I know nothing about. <laughs> I I have so I have Mike Gordon the is the Schultz of this subject. Got it. Yeah, I know nothing. Uh, I really don't. Um, uh, I mean, I just asked Michelle, uh, like, sort of while you guys were saying your opinions. I just asked her. I'm like, is this the band that Questlove was in? Um, <laughs> Because it just seemed no, but apparently not. Um, so, uh, um, I mean, I, I, I'm, uh, I'm okay with hip hop in general, and I understand that uh, they did a lot of influential things and and were pretty popular and all that. But I, I really don't, uh, I don't know them at all. Uh, so, um, as a matter of fact, almost on ev- on on out of everybody on this ballot, apart from a couple of others. Uh, Tribe Called Quest is one I know least about. So, um, so I, I I can't say for sure, yay or nay. Uh, I mean, you know, let, set aside the whole uh, rock um, question of uh, whether it should be rock. If it is a question of fame and they're famous to get in, then <laughs> I can't say that they're famous to me. So, uh, you know... Um, uh, I don't know if the fame element of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame gets that uh, get much attention. More more talk is about the rock and roll part, uh, but um, you know, I, I think uh, I, I don't I don't say that they can't I, they shouldn't get in. I just have to say plead like no contest here. So I, I all right. think of them as being just a real quick. I think mm-hmm. of them as being similar to bands like the Ramones, who may not. Have and they did. Tribe Called Quest did have some commercial success. They may not have had the phenomenal commercial success that the people who they influenced had, but they did influence so many people who had success that I think it's important to talk about them. And that's how I feel about the New York Dolls as well. That's the New York Dolls never really had success on their own, but they were such a, a huge influence on everyone from the Ramones to Kiss. To you know, the list goes on. Yeah, but the same with MC Five. Yeah, and I I agree. Yeah. I same thing with MC Five exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So um so all right so those are the first time nominees collectively adding those together with uh the others it's a huge ballot so there's there's a lot of different ways this could go as far as the voting goes obviously the voting is going to be uh, available until. April, uh, the end of April, right? So, I mean, there's a lot of time for people to get their votes in and to vote one way or the other, other, but really it's up to the nomination committee and however they feel, uh, you know, at the time. So that they're laying down their votes. So who knows who can get in? Um, I wish them all well, but before we get out of here, um, do we want to say, like, what, who, like, if we had to pick, like, Three, four, five, whatever you want to, uh, whatever number you want to get, like of acts on this list that you are, uh, that you feel strongly enough about. Um, Bambi, do you have a list of maybe like three, four or so that uh, you have, feel strongly about? Like they should definitely uh, get in. Judas Priest, Dolly Parton, and Duran Duran. They All right. Get in. Okay. Well, uh, 
<laughs> Devo two. Um, and Pop uh, Edit, right? There's my five. <laughs> gotcha. Um, uh, Ricky? Um, I agree with, with Devo. Definitely, I think Devo should get in. Uh, Duran Duran and Judas Priest and uh, Rage Against the Machine. Mm-hmm. Um, again, if we're going to talk about influence, New York Dolls, Tribe Call Quest, and then Dolly Parton, I think, is at the top of the list if we take rock and roll out of the equation. Fair enough. Michelle? Duran Duran, Judas Priest, Pat Benatar, Kate Bush, and Carly Simon. Although, even on Carly Simon, I would defer to uh, Dion. I'm not sure Dion's going to get the votes this year, but... Oh, right. I'm not a big Dion Warwick fan, sorry. Uh, <laughs> sorry, that's that's my own personal view. Uh, but um, anyway, okay, uh, Mike. Uh, for me, it would be Dolly Parton, Eurythmics, Duran Duran, Devo, and Beck would be my five. All right. Gotcha. Uh, Pat Benatar is at the top of my list. Uh, Then Duran Duran. Uh, I'm going to go with, uh, I'll put a vote in for Carly Simon. Also Judas Priest and uh, Devo. So those are, those are my, that's my, my ballot. It's a weird, eclectic ballot, but I'm a weird, eclectic guy. So uh, well, Eminem is uh, famously missing from all of our lists. Yeah. Well, I mean, part of it is that, you know, well, I mean, as everybody said, then they're not huge personal fans of his. And plus, I think we all think he doesn't need the help. <laughs> right. Like, <laughs> right? Like, he's probably going to get in regardless. Um, so, like, you know, I mean, I, I don't think he needs my vote. Uh, what, uh, Michelle, what is the voting right now? Like if the top five fan votes, uh, acts were to get in, who would that be right now? Right now? So the, uh, the, this is the, the fan vote currently as it stands. And if they were picking five of the, if the public out there was picking five of these artists, which, which artists would they be, uh, that would be getting in this year? What the, what would that look like? Uh, if, if it was the top five right this minute, it would be Eminem, Duran Duran, Pat Benatar, Dolly Parton, and the Eurythmics. Okay. Oh. That's an interesting list. I don't think it's going to be those five, no. but I would be okay with that as well. So, all right. Well, very cool. Well, thank you guys so much uh, for discussion. It's always fun to talk about the nominees. We'll see what happens in May, probably, is when we find out, right? Uh, who gets in? So uh, place your bets now. Uh, <laughs> we will be right back uh, as we get created. Welcome to A Geek Girl's Take. I'm your host, Angela, and this week, this geek girl is talking about Vox Machina. It used to be you got made fun of for playing D&D, but now we have lots of TV shows based off of watching people play the game for entertainment purposes. The times truly have changed. 
Vox Machina is a cartoon on Amazon Prime based off of the show Critical Role, or at least some of the characters in it, where we get to see a group of people play D&D each week, and their games have gotten a really, really large following. The cartoon has a pretty impressive voice cast, and we even get to see David Tennant play a character. So far, this show has been really, really entertaining. It's funny, the animation is really lovely. It's a fun watch, but do keep in mind it isn't for kids. There's a lot of foul language, violence, and mentions of sex, so be prepared before letting your little adventurers watch it. My favorite character is the ranger's bear so far. I love when they make fierce animals also cute. Like, that bear will maim you, but he also wants his tummy scratched, and that seems pretty in line for a bear's familiar in a D&D game for me. Fox Machina is fun, it has lots of action, and the party is as dysfunctional as your weekly D&D group. So overall, it seems pretty realistic to me. Well, thanks for listening to A Geek Girl's Take. What will I talk about next week? You're going to have to listen to find out. Nerd Bliss. What is Nerd Bliss? Nerd Bliss is a pop culture podcast for passionate people. Join Chris, Tina, Eric, and Heath as they talk about popular movies, TV shows, and whatever's current in the news. And we might even have a few laughs along the way. Find us at nerdblisspodcast.com or esonetwork.com. Welcome back. Now it's time for the Creative Outlet segment, and we are here with Zach returning to us once again. Welcome back to the show, sir. Thank you for having me back on, guys. I appreciate it. How you been? I've been busy, man. I've been busy. I got a lot of big things planned later on this year, but the biggest thing that I'm in the middle on right now is uh, the Kickstarter I just launched about five days ago uh, for each melting pot. Right. That's awesome. So tell us about the project. Let's do it. As you uh, remember from Voyage to Call, that was a smaller size comic. It was like more like a travel companion book, uh, 36 pages, which was a solely focused story on Stonderon. And Voyage Melting Pot, this is a 200-page hardcover with the dust jacket, sci-fi mythology with 16 stories. And these are all super school graduates like myself. I was able to bring a lot of my colleagues in on this book, and we decided to go crazy with it. So Sandron is the host, like the Crypt Keeper, uh, in this book. So he's going to be involved in a couple stories, but he won't be in the most. Like, So I have a story of Sandron in there myself, but a lot of creatives on this book uh, gets the chance to go ahead and throw their creative characters in there and just go nuts. So that's what this book is. It's just a collaborative effort from all my Cuban school grads. Um, and we just decided to bring Voyage back once again. And this is the sequel to the first anthology book that I made when I self-published that uh, in the third year at the Cuban school. That's awesome, man. That is really awesome. So who are the other talents that are working on this? We got, uh, you might know these names. We have Michael Kreger. The guy who created Zone, uh, the character that belonged in Dark Horse Comics. Zone is going to be in this book. And Bob Harden, who is an instructor at the Cooper School. Um, he's known for a lot of his hot rod, like, you know, stylish rat rod cars. Um, like, beautiful artwork. And he's got a huge story in there. 30 pages, to be exact. We have Jack French, Kenneth uh, and Sidi 
Curtis Dresser, Justin Shin, Eugene Zabrowski, Austin Ronquillo, Megan and Kara Raff, Chris Campagna, who did the cover to the Just, uh, Dust Jacket. We have oh man, there's so there's so many people. I can't I can't just ring it off the top of my head of the whole list, but it's a three total. That is awesome. So you just started the Kickstarter. How long is it going? This is going to March third at twelve o'clock. Awesome. And we will have a link, of course, up to it in the show notes for, for this and everything. And, you know, I wish you the best. And, um, do you have any like, you know, goals and, you know, like I know they do, you know, once you hit your goal, you have, you know, extra things. You, Yep. Exactly. Stretch goals. So you're uh, an expert at it, Mike. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not, but he is. Yeah. (laughs) That is awesome. That is really awesome, but that is, that's great hardback. That is awesome. I can't wait to see what you guys come up with. Thank you. Yeah, it's been a very stressful road. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. All right, so the, the Kickstarter ends in March. When would people get the uh, product? When are you the only at? reason why we have uh, we have it set to June, and the only reason why is because of the paper shortages. So we're giving sure. window. That's not to say the books are going to arrive at that time frame. Uh, they could arrive way sooner than that. So you know, we just set June because that's an appropriate time. You know, for an expectancy, the book is already ninety percent done, and we're just in the edits and you know, collecting the artwork from people and just designing the last bits of it. So people aren't waiting on you know on the book at all whatsoever. It's just you know the paper shortage. So if it gets here sooner, they'll get it a lot sooner. That's awesome, man. Awesome. That is awesome. Well, I appreciate you joining us tonight, sir. And um, real quickly, any other projects you got coming up down the path, or is this your main focus right now? This one, uh, right now at the moment, it's my main focus. But uh, I have Voyage Issue 1 of the you know, beginning of the ongoing series of Sondron only. Uh, his Voyage going to start in september i'm planning on launching that in september uh then issue two will launch in jan uh january of this upcoming year um and then i have other people who joined my label four star comics like Stephen mitchell dick with his character trugler with a barbarian i'm going to launch that book in august and then we got bobby chrysophis with brutor issue one launching in uh, october i believe so and then i'm working on a secret secret project with nicholas capone and uh, Sam Quinton from Sonopa Publishing, uh, who did 47 Furious Tales. Uh, I will be working you know, with those guys and something that's also supposed to be projected for October as well. Fantastic, man. That is awesome. So I'm guessing we'll be seeing you again real soon then. So hopefully not another year. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely not another year. Zach, that is awesome, man. Well, good luck with everything. And like I said, we'll have your link in the show notes for your Kickstarter. And we'll be definitely checking it out. Let's take a quick break, and we'll be back with the closing of the show. Check out what's been going on with the Pop Culture Cosmo Show and the PCC Multiverse. Do we have too much comic book stuff? Apparently not, because everything that gets released is successful, more successful than the last thing. So perhaps these people are just griping because they haven't had the opportunity to ride the Marvel train. 
That's the Pop Culture Cosmo Show. And the PCC Multiverse. Catch our shows on Worldwide Radio seven days a week. And right here on the ESO Network. So that's going to wrap up another episode of the Earth Station One podcast. I want to thank our guests for being here. Ricky and Bambi, thank you as always for joining us tonight. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Anything you guys need to promote or want to shout out about? Go listen to us on Spotify. If you listen to us like 500 times, I think we get a dollar. Ooh. Yeah. And while you're there, listen to the Tiki Zombie soundtrack. Yes. <laughs> yes. That's pretty I awesome. Get, I, get, I get 50 cents. <laughs> <laughs> for every dollar they get, I get like half of that or if that i don't know i don't know listen listen to radio cult and tiki zombie on spotify nice 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 that's cool and definitely you know even though you know spotify at least you know some people are still up there so it's okay didn't think about you know (laughs) all that mess going on (laughs) all you neil young fans we're still on spotify There you go. That's what I was expecting, damn it. And Michelle, thank you, thank you so, so much. Thank you. Anything you want to shout out about? Mm, nope. Okay. Wow. All good here. That's cool. So it's going to be a quick closing tonight. And Mr. Mike, we made it through another one then. We did. And as always, it's my pleasure. Awesome. Anything you want to shout out about? I do. I got the chance to spend some time in the Phantom Zone, and uh, I was in the la- I was actually I've uh, been on three episodes of the Needless Things podcast, starting with episode three ninety one, in which uh, Dave, Dave West, a good friend of the show, show of course, uh, and I talked about our past experience with Star Trek toys, uh, action figures, uh, vehicles, and stuff like that. Um, and then in episode 392, we talked about uh, Playmates has unveiled an all-new Star Trek Universe line of toys, and we reviewed those, our first thoughts of those anyway, um, on episode 392. And then just recorded over the weekend, I think it's going to be out Friday, is we did a uh, uh, Needless Things commentary on the movie Steel Dawn. And uh, that is a 1987 movie starring Patrick Swayze, which I had never heard of until Dave reached out to me and let me know that uh, we were, since I'd been on the show for the the commentary for Red Dawn, it made sense that I would be on the commentary for Steel Dawn. And um, it's not directly a sequel, but yet we all feel it should be. Well, okay. There you go. It's almost like you're a new co-host for that show. Awesome. Well, I, I just, I got stuck in the family zone. I got in there and I didn't know my way out. So ah, gotcha. I know it's like, it's kind of like the station here, you know, like, like Bambi and Michelle have been wandering around for a week. So it's, it's easy to do. <laughs> well, there's just so much fun stuff to do up here on the station. You know, you know, there's just too much to do here. Too many shows on the ESO network. It's always fun to be involved with it. So it's very cool. Um, I've been actually seeing, uh, one of our other shows also, and I actually guested on the PCC podcast. And so myself 
And of course, uh, Kevin guested on the show talking about the same topic we're talking about tonight. We talked about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And of course, Kevin and I had to bitch that the Monkees and, of course, Weird Al Yankovic once again were not no nominated for the Rock. So that will be available in the next week or two up on the Pop Culture Cosmos podcast. So check it out. And it's a fun show to talk about. It's an annual tradition for me and Kevin to pop up there. And it's just a ton of fun. So check it out and check out all the other fun shows as part of the ESO network. And want to thank everybody, of course, for listening to this fun episode. Thank our guest in the geek seat, Odd Man. And of course, Mr. Mike, it's always great to talk to you, my friend. And you know what? We will be back again next week. And we got a movie review coming up. We are looking at Death on the Nile, a new movie featuring the mustache it's a himself, Kenneth Broadland. Should be a lot of fun to talk about. Or I know Ashley has been practicing how to say Hercule Poirot, so it should be a lot of fun. I, I, I still can't say his name. Well, that's okay. You can practice all week, though. You have a week next, to do yeah, it. Yeah, I got to practice all week for the next episode. Exactly. You know, And we'll all grow mustaches just like he did, too. So it should be awesome. It should be a ton of fun to talk all about that. But, of course, as always, thanks for listening to the Earth Station One podcast. We're powered by NSC. You can find them at nsclivetv.com. Remember, you can find Earth Station One wherever fine podcasts are found, including, of course, Stitcher, Spotify. Well, Spotify, maybe not so much. Amazon, uh, you know, Apple, Google, you know, wherever podcasts are found. Earth Station One is there. Tell all your friends. Tell all your neighbors. Please let everybody just know Earth Station One is out there. Our numbers have been going up, but thank you for everyone who has been recommending us. But you know what? We got to keep going. We got to keep moving. You know, we got to can't break our stride. That song should be up in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. <laughs> there we go. So, of course, thanks again for listening. We will see you here next time on the Earth Station One podcast. Stay safe, hug your loved ones, peace, and we will see you all soon. Cheers. You've been listening to the Earth Station One podcast, a show by fans for fans. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe to our show up on iTunes or wherever fine podcasts are found. While you're up there, please rate us and remember to leave feedback. It would greatly be appreciated. And remember to tell your friends all about us while you're at it. Earth Station One is available on most social media sites where you can join some really great topics or chats. Help support our show by shopping through our Amazon.com link or purchasing very cool ESO Network clothing and merchandise at our Public store. Links to both are found on the top of our ESO Network webpage. Become a patron of the ESO Network by backing us up on Patreon for as little as 25 cents a week. Go to patreon.com slash ESO Network to sign up. We want to hear from you. Please write us at earthstation1 at esonetwork.com or call us at 404-963-9057. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time here on the Earth Station One podcast. Peace, and we're done. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.